0: Welcome to the Manaverse Podcast with your host, Tom Traplin. This is session number 40. Okay, welcome to another roundtable edition of the Manaverse Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Traplin, and I have with me today John Covello, Wayne Middlestead, and Travis Perry. And today we're discussing event marketing. So what does it mean to run a good event? And in this case, events could be... Uh, could be almost anything, any sort of special attraction, anything that brings in your customers. Uh, So this follows right after the Shadows Over Innistrad pre-release. And as many of you probably already know, Shadows Over Innistrad was an immensely popular magic set. And the pre-release was very well attended. And uh, this is an example of what you can do with a great event paired with a great game. The focus of the discussion was really around the common themes of what makes an event Good. So, what are the shared traits that make good events a good experience for your players versus bad events that end up hurting your reputation? So, we talk about what you should do. We have a long list of tips and tricks that you can use to make an event great. And then we also have a a fairly extensive list of things that you should avoid. And ultimately, we end up segueing into the end of the episode where we discuss an article that was recently released on Tumblr with the title Tabletop gaming has a white male terrorism problem. The article goes into detail about one woman's experience in the tabletop gaming community, but the issue really is is that it's just one of many, many people's experience with our community and it's something that we definitely need to talk about. And uh, I'm going to just say in general it is awful, awful stuff and like what happened to this this woman in the article should never ever happen anywhere let alone our communities but uh, i think we have a pretty constructive discussion about what we can do as gamester owners to help help mitigate some of the things that uh, the article ends up talking about so if you want to read that article i'm going to include the link in the show notes and i definitely recommend you check it out and uh i think i'm going to leave it right there i'm not going to talk about it too much i'm going to let the episode talk about it for me so without any further ado let's jump in yeah, it was, a big, it was a big one.
1: This was a big one. This was uh, very highly anticipated. Innistrad uh, was a very popular set, and Shadows proved to be um, just as, if not more popular, um, just because the popularity of, of Magic is greater. Uh, we had a full house uh, for most of the weekend. Uh, one thing that was great about that is uh, getting the 50 or higher uh, attendance to stay uh, pro-advanced. Um Because Wizards of the Coast has different tiers for stores. And the top tier, you need a minimum 50-person attended uh, tournament. I think it's within six months. Twelve months. Is it twelve months? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, that was fantastic. Um, We barely fit everybody. Um, We had uh, our first Saturday pod. We had 52 players. And I had forgotten weeks ago that I, uh, okayed another event, the Game of Thrones living card game store championship and literally came up on my radar, uh, through Facebook the night before. And I'm like, Oh crap. (laughs) So, uh, I had to dig in through my storage, find every chair I could possibly find and, and make our game room as efficient as possible. And, uh, it worked out. We were very lucky. Uh, it did work out, but, um, yeah, uh, that's that's uh, that's a really por- important part of it. I, I, I think is is keeping track of all your events properly, and and uh, I'm definitely getting better at that because I started using Google Calendar. Um, any kind of remote uh, calendar app is is a great tool because uh, you can access it from anywhere, and then you can upload it on your website, so you're seeing everything that everybody else is seeing. And you can keep track of everything uh, that way, um, unless of course you forget to put it on the calendar, like I did. Um, so, uh, I guess, um, not, uh, double scheduling your events is probably a good, uh, pro tip. Um, and, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a, personally, I'm a little overwhelmed with it cause I'm sort of a one man shop and I, I, schedule everything. Um, and I have part-time employees that help with the, you know, with the customers and stuff. And some of them run events as well. Uh, I should probably delegate more, um, with that. But it's hard for me to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, but otherwise, there's the basics, right? You, you need to advertise well in advance. I, I believe in, in advertising at least a month ahead. Um, I uh, put up, you know, the information on my website, goes up on Facebook, of course. I pay for the boosting on Facebook because that's super important to get
0: uh, seen. Have you noticed that makes a difference?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember we talked about that, I, I believe, uh, on my because interview. It gives you really, uh, really, really detailed demographics, too, who's interacting yeah. with the post. It, it targets really well to exactly who you want, um, and it works. So uh, you should not be afraid to pay money to advertise on Facebook. Absolutely not. Um, yeah. Anybody else want to add anything? There's lots to add. So, hey, How did your uh, pre-release go, Travis?
2: Uh, We also hit our 50, barely. Um, I was really glad to see Magic return. For a long time, Magic's been playing fourth or fifth fiddle to our other games. Uh, My Dice Masters, my Force of Will, my Pokemon, my Hero Clicks have all been running at the same or higher numbers for attendance than Magic has. And we got back to our 50... Um, Because we dropped below advance plus to advance. We hit our 50 um, people. And then yesterday for FNM, we had quite a few people. Our standard didn't fire, but that makes sense. People haven't had cards very long. But Draft had a big crowd. EDH had a big crowd. It was just really good to see Magic return because we have more of a casual player base. And the $300 deck entry level that has been running around for the last few months has really killed off my players so it right. was it was really good um, we didn't do as well as we were hoping you know uh, past our midnight event we I mean we saw our, our two 9am ones didn't fire we combined them we had some fun um, but the rest <laughs> of the events we saw about 18 people per event and we were hoping for more than that on those but
3: yeah, and for us in general, I would say it was the same thing. We saw definitely this was much bigger than old or the previous set as far as pre-release. But it's difficult to, it's not record-breaking for us. Um, I think our biggest uh, pre-release event was over 100 people, 110, something like that. Um, but Return but I don't, probably. That's you what know, the big too. thing, yeah. Um, yeah. there's that and there's level of competition, right? There's a lot more stores. So, no matter what you do, schedules or things like that, you have a more diffused player base. So, um, we did hit that 50 mark, which is good um, in at least a couple of those events. But uh, we do six, right? So, what we've seen that was interesting is that the. Mm-hmm. Uh, our popularity shifted, so we had less people than we did before in the midnight pre-release, which is something we do every, you know, Friday night slash Saturday morning. Um, and it shifted, I think, to the ten a.m. was one of the more popular ones in the Sunday events too, which normally are, are fairly lower attendance. And I don't know if that's because other stores weren't doing it at that time, or if for some reason it panned out better for customers, or they they, they just don't want to do midnight anymore. I don't know, but there was a shifting of the. The number of players in these time slots, more than anything else, um, there was an increase in players, and we had the same thing. Travis, our EDH was well attended on Friday. Um, booster draft was, was off the hook as far as how many people showed up, and we couldn't. We got two people for standard, which is pretty typical when a new set release. What we tend to see yeah. is actually standard goes up as we're getting towards the pre-release, as far as attendance, and our draft numbers drop. And then when when the actual set starts hitting, that's when you get a big boost in drafts and you know, kind of choose into the, the the other formats. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We did, uh, we did six events as well. We always do six events. We do the midnight. We do two on Saturday, two on Sunday. uh, And then we do a third one on Sunday. um, And this is unique to us uh, just for kids. It's 14 and under. We do have a weekly Sunday uh, kids workshop. And so we do the pre for them as well, and they get a, their own game day as well. And they seem to be really appreciative of that. It's, it's you know, so they sometimes outnumber the uh, the main events. Uh, I think we had uh, over thirty this weekend. Um, nice. And you know, kids are a great uh, demographic to invest in because those are all future customers.
3: And, uh, well, and that's, so you took an approach sort of like the Pokemon thing, right, where you segregated a bit of the age ranges. That's that's actually a really good idea, yeah. because uh, there could be an intimidation factor there of like, you know, hey, I'm going to go play with a grown-up kind of situation, versus like, I know people will be in my age group. That's that's excellent, actually.
2: Yeah, so one is- of our 9 a.m. is also youth, <laughs> but we actually saw our youth show up at midnight. We were pushing really hard for the midnight. Most of our customers knew that we had dropped below the 50-plus the mark, so... They kind of all bandwagon together or pulled together to help us hit that. So most of my kids showed up at midnight with their parents. So nice. wow.
0: interesting,
1: lucky kids <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get to stay up that late. Um, but I, I want something. Hmm? Yeah. No, go go ahead. Finish. One. Uh, okay, yeah, uh, uh, going back to running the six events. I think I'm going to have to stagger my events uh, differently. I've been doing them uh, twelve o'clock start time and four o'clock start time uh because you know i just i don't want the day to be that long but uh you know when it comes down to it the four o'clock goes to fire and there's still people in the main event who want to play in the second event uh so i think i need to stagger them a bit farther apart maybe start the other one an hour earlier and uh the other one a bit later um and there was actually uh, uh uh some guys well one of the guys was um you know, the last pre-release, he was really upset that we had overlapping events and he's like, I'm not, never coming here again because I can't go to both pre-releases on the same day and, you know, and then, uh, yeah, so this, uh, this pre-release, him and his friends were not there. So, uh, not that, you know, we had problems with numbers anyways, mm-hmm. but, uh, and, and uh, <coughs> something we do traditionally, because uh, we do have pre-release packs left over. And we usually do, um, and there's everyone comes out of everywhere. You know, do you have any left over? Do you want to sell them? And uh, and I think that's a big waste of uh, investment personally. So what we do is we, we offer our release event. So today's event, uh, instead of just a regular sealed deck, we offer the the pre-release packs again, and that makes it special gives people another chance to do the pre-release. Maybe they couldn't make it that weekend. But, uh, you know, it's a a good way to use up the pre-release product instead of just cracking them open or selling them. Yeah, we do the same thing, actually, the launch party, which
3: Wizards doesn't do anymore, but it's still popular for us. So we do a couple of drafts and a sealed, well, two sealed, one one with regular packs and one with pre-release packs. Uh, so people just have to make a choice which event they want to go into, basically. But uh, I wanted to touch for a moment on what Wayne was talking about in, as far as overlapping events. So we we have a relatively big space. We got, I think our maximum capacity is 120 people. Once we move, it'll be even more than that. But there is a constant juggling of things going on because magic can be hit or miss, right? If you have oath and you're getting an event that barely fires with like 12, 16 people, it's one thing, but you have to plan what happens when you're going to get 50, 60, right? So that's definitely a challenge as an event organizer to look at your space and figure out what can I comfortably do? Also staffing-wise. What can I do to make sure that I have the right people here that can make the event fire on time? Because when you have multiple things going on and it never fails, even though on our website there is a way for you to literally schedule an event, so we reserve a table for you, right? You just go there, you click on it, fill out a quick form. A lot of people just decide to show up. And I hate to turn anybody away, but those are usually the first ones that have to be turned away because it's like, look, you want to play a game right now, but I have an event that fires at 1 o'clock. And I have no idea. Is it going to be 10 people, 20 people? Because – what I find usually, we get about ten percent pre-registration, and then the rest ninety percent shows up at the door. Right? Even though we have things in place to try to estimate how many people are we going to have coming in, it's always a total crapshoot.
2: Do you guys cap your rounds? I mean, do you do you play out? Yeah, I was curious about that too. Full rounds, or do you cap at three or
1: four? Uh, four we don't do more than four. We sometimes do okay. three. Uh, this past weekend, one of my employees decided to just keep it at two, uh, so we could leave early, which, you know, you said all the players were fine with that. I'm like, oh. and of course, uh, it came back and validated because it needs to be more than two rounds. <laughs> so yep. in that pre-release didn't count, uh, which is probably going to hurt us, um, for our numbers because Wizards, of course, looks at your attendance and they, and they base, the, your product for the next pre-release on, you know, a few pre-releases back. So that's going to catch up with us. Um, we do cap. We uh, usually four, four is the magical number
3: we found. There's a, a number of reasons why we. What Wayne was talking about. We want to try to have as little overlap as possible. Um, you know, there'll be some people that are like, oh, you know, it's round three, and I I don't think I can make the top eight or whatever or not get any extra prizes, so I'm just going to drop and go play in the other event. But we try to minimize that overlap, and one of the ways to do it is you cap it plus, at midnight one hour to build your deck, four hours, that's five hours. Assuming the event starts exactly at midnight and you always have the late person that shows up, right, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, you're looking at getting out of there at 6 to 7 a.m. at yeah. least. So,
0: um, Yeah, and a 100-person tournament at midnight doing full rounds is ridiculous. Yeah. Like and I've nobody, done nobody. That before, and i, I, I actually never I actually to do really
2: that again. It. We cap at four for midnight, but my old store that I used to play at played the full rounds i don't know why but getting out of an event at 10 a.m is awesome
3: (laughs) it might have a factor to do with your age too i am i'm
1: good (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm i'm so lucky i got uh, an employee that he stays up really really late anyways so for him to come in at 5 p.m and leave at 5 in the morning for the midnight release, uh, you know that's I'm really lucky to have him, and uh, he he does it on his own. Like for I leave him around seven o'clock, and he, he takes it until five in the morning by himself, and he always does a really good job. And uh, you know our, our player base is really cool too, so we don't have to worry too much about them.
3: Yeah, for us, it's a I mean we have a good number of employees. We have ten now, so you know it, it helps with that rotation. <laughs> and we have the store manager. She's a vampire. She will literally come out when the sun sets, basically, you know, kind of situation. So um, it's good that that's what she likes to do, but you know, there's still a lot to be said about like if you, if you're coming in for a shift, there's also legalities, right? I mean, um, I believe in Nevada, you got to have an eight-hour break at least, otherwise, that shift is considered a whole shift, and now you're starting to pay overtime for that whole duration of the shift, and mm-hmm. it gets it gets incredibly. I don't know how it is in Canada, but it can get incredibly expensive. You have to sit there. It's, I don't. look uh, yeah. It's 12 hours. Gotcha. gotcha. I don't look at pre-releases as money makers necessarily. They're not really there. <laughs> events in general for us are more um, getting people excited about the games and advertising, right? But by that same token, if you're bleeding money out the nose, you can't keep on doing events like that. It's going to it's gonna eventually catch up to you.
0: I guess that's another good follow-up question. So uh, how do you pay out? Pre-releases are a little bit different from your standard <laughs> tournament, right? So how do you kind of break down the prizes to get people excited?
1: Oh, we, we just give out the standard two packs per player. Um, I'm a firm believer that the pre-release is already a pretty damn special event, and, and people come out from all over the place. People who never come out come out to the pre-release. I mean, we're in a huge city, too. We have a huge population density. So, um, you know, every pre-release that runs in Toronto is, is well attended, as far as I know. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's I guess that's all.
3: For us, we that. do everybody... Everybody, last place two gets two packs, right? Doesn't matter. So you're kind of coming in as a winner. And then we take one pack added to the prize pool for each player that enters and sort of pay out. It really depends how many people are in that event. If there's only like you know 20, we're probably just going to pay out the top four, right? Um, A little extra packs, basically. But we just do packs. We don't do store credit on pre-releases. We try to keep it. To me, the pre-release is... A pretty casual event it's fun it's exciting but it's not a grinder it's not a pptq or a ptq right um it, we do tend to not have a lot of the very competitive players that show up for that because we're not giving out a box to first place we're still putting out a ton of prizes they're just going all across the board versus all going to first second or whatever not
0: and yeah, much flatter payout yeah Sorry, I got
1: um, Travis. I just have more to add to my answer. I kind of blanked, and that's why I finished so shortly. <laughs> yeah. um, so, two two packs per player. Um, but uh, we also give out uh, door prizes every round, which are sometimes packs, sometimes um, you know deck boxes, play mats, stuff like that. Uh, we always have a well, not always, but the last few we've had a feature table, and usually the feature table is reserved for like the top players. Uh, It's kind of a big deal. And uh, because we're so focused on casual, um, we switched around. We always put the the last place pairings at the feature table. And then the winner of that match gets a booster pack. So that lets the people who on the bottom actually try and win something. We also spread out our prize pool a lot. Like you just, in a four... Four round tournament, you just have to go two and zero, oh, and you get you get at least a pack. So the top doesn't get as much, but I really prefer spreading it out to as many people because I get that one pack, and it makes them a lot happier. And yeah, it is it is a casual event, like John was saying, it's very casual centric.
2: So we do <clears throat> we
1: do ours a little bit differently. We do a
2: higher pay in um, thirty bucks, mate, but we provide food, so do pizza for the midnight one. We do breakfast burritos for the morning ones, sandwiches for lunch and stuff like that. Um, And then we do a prize round, round three. So no matter where you're at, round three, you're facing somebody that's pretty comparable and you have a chance. And it means that most everybody comes up with something. Um, This year we did play mats. We got some custom play mats made and round three was a play mat round. So, you know, uh, half the people walked away with the $20 playmat. The smaller event that didn't fire, the, well, the two 9 a.m. ones that didn't fire, we just gave everybody a playmat. Um, so, and then with cutting it, it does flatten prizes a lot anyway. You're giving out to a lot more people because still a lot more of the crowd is in prize pool at that point. Um, we've looked at going to... Something closer to one pack per player and then distribute the remaining pack among the winners. But we haven't made that switch yet, so that may happen next time. Um, The prize round and the food is really where we flatten prizes, though.
3: Yeah, so that's interesting. You said you're on the higher end. I would say that though, thirty dollars is about pretty much what I see all around. That's what we do it at. If you if you sign up early, like before the Monday, before you get a five dollar discount. But for the most part, I've seen thirty across the board. Um, we had fifteen in our area. Holy cow! Well, that's yes. I guess if you're gonna <laughs> just so give away
1: the band, like that's a loss leader. That thir- sounds 30, just 30, is, it away. thirty
2: is literally twice what you could have been sure. doing
1: it at. That that yeah. that devalues and cheapens the product. I think that's yeah. terrible in every Look, aspect. He, so fundamentally, it could be somebody trying to get to that fifty number.
3: Who knows what the motivation that, is? That
2: was what they were trying to do. Yeah. Um, my the judge I have on staff does judge events for me. Said he warned me. He's like, hey, just so you know, you're going to see them doing fifteen. They're trying to hit their fifty mm-hmm. person
1: mark.
0: Mm. Did so, they do it? I'm just curious. They did. They, they did they, do it. Well, I so hope so, Innistrad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> so, wow. I
0: kind of like your idea more rather than discounting really deep, kind of just Had value. get the bandwagon going and really kind of get your players involved and be like, let's make it, let's ha- make it happen.
3: I mean, I did forget Getting one more invested, thing. right? Um, while I was on the subject of, of prizes, one thing that we do, it's – so we get the packs a day or two early, right? And and what we do is we sit there and we ziplock bag each one of the packs. So the Ziploc bag is for two reasons. When they are done – now it's a little different because you get sort of deck boxes almost with your pre-release packs, but before yeah. you had nowhere to put the bags, right? So then and the packs, so your cards. So the Ziploc bag was an easy way to put your name on it because it's got that writing band on it. And just turn it in at the counter before you go outside to smoke a cigarette or do whatever you're going to do, right? Kind of situation. But it was also for, we put a Woot prize card in there, and it will be things like chips, soda, um, a pack, uh, a deck. Um, That's how we get rid of all our promotional playmats that come in. That, you know, if you, any distributor you talk Mm -hmm. to these days, they'll send you, if you select them as the pre release, We've gotten a fridge before. We've gotten some distributors offer chairs. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. The most common thing tends to be accessories, right? Uh, Play mats and stuff like that. And they're unique. They're different. Um, So we just give them away in those boots. We also include uh, a coupon that basically has our upcoming magic events on it. Uh, And the backside usually has... A coupon that's good for five dollars off a Fat Pack when the set releases, or a set of the intro decks—you know, buy four, get one you or something like that—to kind of get a sort of comeback, right? I mean, so you mm-hmm. play in the pre-release, come back on release day, and you know, get some extra goodies. All
0: right. So, what about uh, events other than a pre-release? Like, what is it? Like, a pre-release is kind of different. It's special. It's pretty unique. It is. It's casual they, focus, they send right?
1: you—they uh, send you decorations too. I don't know who. <laughs> put together the I put the together the the Avicenna Angel that was that was tough um uh but they also sent like about 20 of these paper lanterns the lanterns uh, were a pain yeah so i put one lanterns. together and i'm like i'm not putting these all together and hanging them up cuz no one's going to like care really um i might eventually do that just to decorate the game room but uh yeah you can i you can go all out with uh decoration or you can do nothing Uh, I've never seen a difference in in whether people enjoy the event or not uh, based on how it's decorated. Here in Vegas, it's all about the
3: glitz. So, yeah, we go all all out. I mean, we even Mm. dug into our Halloween supplies and brought out some stuff that was relevant, right? I mean, um, you know, we had this thing where you take a picture with and you swap her face with her, and you get a (laughs) discount on your… Both of the Gatewatch packs, because we really don't want them anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, so <laughs> you can play it up. I've seen some some stores do the whole we, – we had togas during the um, – oh, poop. No, I can't remember the name of the set, um, the Greek one. Theros. Uh, Theros. Theros, there you go. During that block, we were wearing togas and things like that. You know, So right. you you can doll it up. I found that that's sort of hit or miss. Some of the more competitive players, which, again, we don't get a lot of those in our store. Um, not for the pre-releases, at least. the uh, they're, they're, they're just there to play Magic. And to them, that's just, well, what is going on? Well, I don't care about this, right? But the kids love it. And a lot of the, the people that are more casual definitely get into that kind of stuff.
2: We um, You asked about other events. We run about 20 events a week. Um, I've got two different game rooms, one on the main floor that's just tiny. It's where I'm sitting now. It holds about 12 people. And then I've got a huge game room seats about 165 if I ever got that many chairs and tables Um, I don't have that many chairs and tables so it really only seats 64 (laughs) but we always have a lot of stuff going on and then we usually run some sort of big event every weekend Um, this weekend it's uh, Dice Masters Um, last week of course was Magic, I think Two weekends from now, it's the Pokemon pre-release. There's always some event going on. The way I can do that is I've got five employees and (laughs) they run most of the events for me. Um, The guy that runs most of my events is out right now, so I've been picking up a lot of that, but we're always got somebody scheduled to run something big.
3: So and it. I mean, talking about magic and CCGs, those are different requirements and constrictions in other types of events, right? Events can be a mixed bag. Miniature tables eat up a lot more space, so you can fill up your space a lot quicker with a less amount of people. If you get a 30-man miniature uh, event, that's a fairly large event, and you're talking a four-by-six table, so that's 15 tables, right? That takes up a lot of room. The big challenge for us in our current space has been that um, we – we're going to have to educate our customers when we move to the larger location that it's okay to come in if there's a Magic pre-release. Because before, when you have 90 Magic players in a pre-release, you're pretty much squeezing out everything else you're doing when your capacity is 120, right? I mean, that's there's no way. And there's also a certain level of noise that the board gamers don't enjoy or the role players want their four-by-six tables so they can all sit around there. Those are definitely something to consider when you talk about running good events is… Look at what your crowd is and understand that certain ones don't mix. Now, if you're lucky enough to have a store like Travis that has 160, right, or whatever, you could probably segregate those groups enough that it won't be a problem, but- um, noise is still it, an issue. Right. Noise is so, an issue. Well, yeah, and we ran, a, we ran a, this was not on site, but we partnered up with a company out in England. They were holding like a, a $100,000 um, magic tournament in a cooperation with a couple of other events, right? And they rented a room at the Venetian, which, was an incredible venue but it's it's a very large room but here's the problem we had magic players we had chess players we had scrabble players the chess players were complaining because the scrabble players were making too much noise when they were moving their tiles around right and so you get a it's, it's things that you don't think about but when you're looking at a different varied group events and like travis we do a lot of different events every day and mixing the groups sometimes is a challenge on itself and sometimes it's best to figure out which ones just don't interact and keep those events on separate
1: days, and you'll you'll be better off for it. Yeah, that's a really good point. I've run across that myself. <clears throat> another uh, another mistake we made um, this past weekend. Um, again, this is me juggling all these events. Uh, is I had I had to cancel an X Wing tournament um, last minute. Uh, which, you know, was obviously quite upsetting. People were really looking forward to going. And um, I had canceled it ahead of time. But then I forgot about this Facebook post I made in January, which listed all of our events, and people still thought we had it happening. Um, so um, as a makeup and I, I think it's really important to make it up when you make a mistake like that, uh, this weekend I'm running the event, a makeup event for it, and I'm not charging any admission and just giving out all the prize kits for free. So, yeah. Another, yeah, another where you mistake. You want to
0: be, but you got to keep the customers happy, yeah. right?
3: Yeah. 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 No, <laughs> I, I, ideally, you don't make the mistake in the first place. Cause it, yeah. no. It's good It's good that you're not doing any charging, right? And, and then you get it. You, you made a mistake. You pay for it. The reality, though, is you'll still have somebody upset because, like, I asked for the day off, and now I can't get the mm-hmm. other day off, right? So, it, yeah. We got – when we did our – here's another example of how it's it's hard to please everybody sometimes uh, our regional championship we found that when we moved our x-wing tournaments from 11 o'clock in the morning to six o'clock at night we actually doubled almost tripled our attendance so i guess for whatever reason people like to come to my store at six and leave at midnight or whatever and i'm done with with x-wing so we wanted to do the regional at that time too which meant the guys got out of there four or five o'clock in the morning you know what Everybody had fun. Everybody at the end was just so giddy and tired that they were just giggling over everything. And it wasn't like this mega competitive kill everything kind of thing. Um, but we did get a lot of people are like, well, I can't come because it's six, you need to move it to 11. And there was this, this sort of indignation because we didn't do so. We felt that we had to listen to the majority of our customers, not however vocal minority. And you will probably still get somebody no matter what. Because it's not at midnight, it's at nine, or vice versa, it's not at nine. So, you know, I guess as long as your events are being attended and you have a growing event, you're good to go. So, that's something we struggle with.
0: Well, no matter what, there's no way you can please everybody with your schedule. There's always going to be somebody who's going to be upset that they can't come. It's just a fact of, you know, limited time.
3: And, and in this town, it's it's difficult because you got people that start working at one o'clock in the morning or, you mm-hmm. know, just get off work at one. So, for, yeah, the biggest crowd is a little difficult to predict. It's like it's not like we have uh, Saturdays and Sundays are actually big days for people, especially if you're in the service industry to make your tips to work right. So they're not necessarily off like, you know, weekend events are big, but in this town, not so much as compared to other ones, maybe. Mm-hmm.
2: 24-hour game store come on
3: <laughs> <laughs> there was one in phoenix i'm not sure how well that went but um
0: yeah funny segue into that uh, that article that you posted john about the uh, the hobby center um yeah, yeah
3: yeah so um yeah they, it was it was an article about um, they, they were talking about like how we don't need brick and mortar stores and we should go towards um just event centers which Hmm. You know, there's there's opinions on that. We can probably do a show on that one too, Tom. Um, I think so. Yeah. But the, yeah,
2: that that article discredited itself by not using spell check.
0: That's what yeah, I thought too. What are you gonna do? Go the internet.
3: How do you fill it when you're not running tournaments? <laughs> um, well, that's that's the the model is a club. They don't sell anything. You pay a subscription fee, and that's how you pay for the rent, right? Um, mm. Like I said, I, I think it's definitely a subject for a show if that's a viable model or not, um, but anyways.
1: Yeah, send yeah. me a link to the article. I'd like to read so, it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> about you
3: know, we, we talked a little bit about what what makes a good event, right? I mean. Um, it, we touched a little bit on what not to do, right? And with that, one of those was um, making sure that you don't overlap events that aren't necessarily compatible with each other. Um, another big one, at least in my book, is make sure that the event starts on time. I mean, that's a big sticking point for a lot of our customers, right? Um, for whatever reason, I mean, you're here, you wanna have fun, you don't wanna be waiting. And um, so the difficulty there sometimes lies and what happens when you get the guy that calls you 10 minutes before the event starting saying, hey, I'm late, and you Hold the event, right? Uh, Mm. You hold it. You keep going Um, for something like if we talk about specifically about CCGs. Something like a standard tournament, right, um, for Magic, you can drop in at any point in time. You can drop out at any point in time. It doesn't matter. You don't affect the whole group. But something like a draft becomes a bit of an issue because I, I have to have eight late people to start a totally separate pod in order to do it. Um, so for us, the, it, it really depends on the event. But in general, we try to make it a point to start um, as, as close as possible to the starting point. And that means, you know, when you're looking at things, um, if your event starts, at 10 a.m. and your store opens at 10 a.m., maybe your personnel needs to be here at 9.30 uh, versus exactly at 10, uh, which I've seen yeah. sometimes happen, right? I mean, you get there and there's a line outside the door. You're still trying to count in your till. Um, it, I don't understand how that works,
1: but it, it does happen. So, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think the the game room itself is uh, the wherever you're holding the event is important. So, you know, I'm lucky enough that I have a large enough game room. We can hold our events at my store. You know, we got 1,400 square feet. We can seat up to 72 people, I believe, which has always been okay. I think only the Return to Ravnica pre-release pushed us over our capacity with a couple people standing upstairs at the counter. Um, But, you know, I think wherever you hold it is really important. Um, You know, you need to have available and clean bathrooms. Um, You know, you need to have... I think you need some somewhere where somebody can get something to drink. I think that's important, more important than food. Um, and, you know, we so we sell pop and we have, like, a reverse osmosis water filters. People can fill up water bottles. Um, I think, uh, you know, we got air conditioning. There's air conditioning in the room, uh, which is super important. Uh, you know, if the room's too hot, too uncomfortable, nobody's going to have a good time. It's not going to smell very good either. Um yep. You know in and, and having enough space um, you know I, I i could I could probably fit more than seventy two people but then it would be uncomfortably crowded so I think I think where you're the setting for your event no matter what kind of event it is is very very important and when you go further up to like um, you know pro tour qualifiers um, even even way up to Grand Prix I mean you can you imagine what they have to um, all the things they have to consider. And, you know, when you go to a a large event like a Grand Prix, um, you can definitely tell when things are being run really well, when they have enough space, when uh, it's organized well enough. Um, You know, having enough uh, staff to help run the event um, is also very important. Uh, If you're understaffed, uh, everybody's going to feel that too. And uh, there's going to be more frustration. It's better to overinvest in an event and make sure it runs well than it is to just try and squeak by with what you got and run a terrible event. And that uh, will impact your reputation and you will probably see less attendance in the next event that you do.
2: I was going to definitely uh, touch on the staffing as well. You know, 30-person event, you can have somebody, I mean, 30-person kind of that threshold You can, where the person running it can be in it. You get to that thirty-two per person mark, you know, where you're, you're running the full rounds. Person that's running the event can't be one of the participants. You know, you, you can't just have your your magic judge playing the pre-release. If there's fifty people, he's got to be actively running around, answering questions, helping people uh, fill out decks or not fill out decks, but uh, <clears throat> follow rules and and move to the next stage and make sure people are on time because we talked about how time's an issue and if there's not somebody actively monitoring the time and telling people hey we're we're at time you guys are at turns entering the results and stuff because it takes a long time to put all those results in and if they're in the event they can't start entering results until their match is finished and if they're one of the last matches you're adding another 10-15 minutes between rounds Um, you know if you're at 50 person event you probably need two people there just to run the event because at that point you need somebody that can run back and forth between the game room and the retail area and get or the back room or whatever fill out things that have i don't know happened you know grab, grab drinks and stuff if needed there's always something that comes up that that needs attended to so
0: yeah you're still operating a business right so yeah. it's not just the event And well, um, there's the, the person behind in.
2: the register too. Yes.
3: Yeah. So when and. In- you know, that touches on two points, the choice of venue and uh, and back to the staffing, right? So for us, when we've done PTQs in the past, um, we've actually chosen to hold them off-site. We wanted a completely separate event for a number of reasons. For us, it's back to that. Uh, the mixing of things, most of our events tend to be on the casual side. Mm-hmm. And the more competitive, we wanted to isolate it on purpose. We wanted to have a separate uh, location that literally just took care of that. Um, so when you do that, you remove a lot of the requirements of the business, right? You don't have to worry about operating a cash till other than if somebody's there wanting to buy some supplies or trading the single or things like that. We even went so far as to renting out um, dealer um, tables so that other people could handle the singles because all we wanted to concentrate on was running the event. Um, so when you, when you look at where you're hosting it, that makes a difference on your personnel and the requirements, right? Um, the nice thing about hosting it like at a hotel like we did is I don't have to worry about the chairs. They have them. I don't have to worry about it. I just have to make sure they're doing it the right way, right? They're setting it up correctly the way we asked them. Now, in the store, that changes the equation because now you're dealing with – you're right. Um, you have a store to run too. And we try to mitigate that a little bit because we try to always have somebody that's – their sole role is to judge the event, not to run it but the judge will usually have another person who in between customers and things like that is running the event in other words he's entering the results and stuff like that Um, and you have cashiers I understand this is like for most stores, probably an inordinate amount of people. But when we have about 70 to 100 people in the store playing in different events and customers coming in and shopping, we want to make sure that all of them are having a good experience. If you have less than that, you can probably make do with less people. But we do get the comment a lot from judges. Um, this happens a lot obviously, with Magic because that has more um, sort of rigid and organized judging system. Uh, they love judging here because all they have to do is judge. We're not asking them to enter. We, we even go to the point of if they, if they give out warnings, we'll enter them for them in the and we are, all our staff is trained to use. And for those people who don't know what the viewer is, the, the Wizards event reporting system, it's the software they use, right? Um, so yeah, it's important to make sure you're adequately staffed. That makes a big difference. And then it's important to factor in the cost of that staff, right? When you look at an event, are you running an event um, because you want to advertise? You want to sort of boost attendance or whatever or not? Or are you running an event because you're trying to make money on it? And if you are, uh, then you, you really have to look at what all the costs are, not just the entry fee and the prizes you're giving up.
2: You know, every event is going to be different. You know, we talked a lot about magic events, but we've got Tabletop International, Tabletop Game Day coming up. And that's going to require a different set of requirements than Judge. I'm going to have to have a half dozen people just sitting around demoing games all day. I don't know if you guys are trying to run anything for that. Um, I know you guys aren't running the weekend after that free comic book day because you guys don't have comic book stores. But I'm looking at a completely different staffing system set up for that. Um, and one of the things that makes a good event, I'm already planning all Planning all these. We've already sat down and figured out how many people we need. How many people do I have on staff? What's the difference? Um, Those things, you can't just throw together a good event on the last minute. You've got to plan out ahead of time. You've got to figure out what your requirements really are, and you have to be prepared for them.
3: And interesting interesting enough, you mentioned International Tabletop Day, right? We we do it every year. This year, we were chosen to be one of the partner stores. There's 300 of these in the United States right now. But um, that is, you're right, a completely different set of requirements. But it touches on a point that's a bit frustrating for us. Um, We like to plan things out. We like to plan things out well in advance. Something like Tabletop Day, um, our staff will be running demos, our staff will be running events, but we also have a lot of volunteers to do things on International Tabletop Day in our store. When things are sort of like last minute from the publisher, it becomes really an issue for us because it becomes hard to sort of incorporate and do this stuff. And we worked with like, you know, Yellow's been in the store before, um, AG, et cetera, et cetera. Um, these are all great guys. Some of the other publishers, sometimes we get the, hey, we want to run this this weekend. Do you want to do it? And we're like. Magic pre-release weekend, Magic launch weekend, Pokemon pre-release weekend. You know, it, it, it seems like maybe they don't consider these things. And for the most part, we try to be as accommodating as possible. But part of running a good event sometimes is when no when to say no, um, I'm sorry. If I run this event right now, I'm going to give everybody a really bad experience and I'd rather not do it. It's a difficult call to make, but we'd rather do that than just kind of jostle something together at the last minute and it just sort of falls apart at the seams.
1: Yeah, I think uh, timing is everything. Um, uh, here in uh, Toronto, uh, for example, uh, our game day lies on the same weekend as Toronto Grand Prix, so we're we're really uh, you know up against you know a huge uh, competitor as far as magic players go. So it has to be you know has to be uh, aimed at people uh, who are more casual who are not interested in spending that much money on an event, etc. And, uh, I mean, the, uh, the promos are really sweet for this game day anyway, so that might draw some people in just for those. Um, and that's just an unfortunate um, thing that happens. I mean, but it's it's important to look ahead to when these events are happening, when you're planning your events, and, uh, and not to double book. Like, I mean, in Toronto there is, like, a dozen other stores running events and um, you know trying to find a day that doesn't coincide with someone else's event is just about impossible especially Saturdays I don't even try for Saturdays anymore for most events Um, I try to do all my big events on Sunday just because that's a less uh, busy day so I guess uh, yeah timing is uh, pretty important too for when you're planning your event running your event
0: yeah only so many weekends in the year
1: yeah and that's an
3: interesting point, Wayne. We've run into the same difficulty, right? We do, we really do try to work with our local competitors as far as like, I mean, it does mean no good to host an X Wing Store Championship on the same day that somebody else five miles from me is doing it. But here's the problem we're running into. We have more and more stores coming online, and oddly enough, the number of weekends and the number of days in a given month are the same. So it, it's starting <laughs> to happen. I mean, we just can't like you know, hey, you want to do X Wing on Tuesday? I'll do it on Wednesday. The reality is there's seven days in the week, and when there's 15 stores trying to run X Wing. We're going to double up. But you know it's funny because sometimes the customers perceive that as like, oh, what would you schedule on this day? You're trying to put those people out of business. And that that's really not the case. The reality is there's only so many days, and if there's more stores, end the story, somebody will overlap.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is basically a major focus on the fundamentals. Like if you want to run an event and a good event, you need the basics right like if the store is not clean it's not gonna be great if it's too hot it's not no one's gonna have a good time and then also a uh know what your goals are for what you're trying to accomplish because it does change in how you're going to approach it like if you're not if you're trying to make money in event it's going to be run differently than if you're trying to advertise to sell product if you're willing to break even or even take a loss on something it's going to be a different kind of event you should staff differently and then uh yeah
2: Plan well in advance,
0: yeah pay attention to the schedule and make sure you've got everything you need way ahead of time
3: I think I just about some it up for this particular thing I mean yeah, um,
0: yeah. the only other thing we didn't really uh talk about was uh we talked about events, but m- m- mainly focused on like tournaments so like events actually make up a lot of like that's a big topic right like tabletop game day is not really an, a tournament it's it would be an, an event event. It's something unusual. Like there's more than just organizing F and GPTs and stuff like that for,
2: for events. That's right? a really big point. You know, you do, I mean, maybe in some of the bigger markets, you can have a store that just caters to competitive events. But, um, I'm in a town of less than a hundred thousand. I have to, if I want a robust community, I have to have events that aim at different markets and knowing which market is which one, you know, a pre a PPTQ is a Magic competitive event, a pre-release is a Magic casual event. You know, there's there's definitely some of those already built in, but you know, we try to we try to actually do that with every event that we run on a regular basis. All of our weeklies, we try to have both a competitive and a casual scene. Um, a lot of those we do with um, leagues and leagues you get points for coming in playing for fun teaching new players playing with with uh people that haven't played much before and you can earn prizes just from league and then tournaments are for the competitive players and they earn prizes for the competitive play and having both of those gives both groups a reason to come in we schedule them at the same time or overlapping or right after each other so that they can interact that there's you know something where somebody can jump from one to the other if they want. But yeah, you have to have both casual and competitive events if you want a healthy community for a game.
3: Mm -hmm. Sure. And one thing to note too would be um, be ready to um, explain when some, one of the things we, we sort of struggle a little bit with is we have different types of events, right? I mean, um, and when our competitive Magic player stumbles upon our Monday league, which is pretty much a, you know, casual come down, make, You score points by doing achievements, and it could be anything from, like, bringing us cookies to building a zombie deck, and then it's scored over a period of four to six weeks. Uh, What ends up happening, though, we get a lot of customers that walk in, and they're like, oh, I heard there's a tournament tonight. And and then maybe they're disappointed when that tournament isn't what they think it is. No, we're not pairing anybody. You can come in and play as many or as few games as you want, right? It's a completely casual event. Uh, We had the same thing happen with Rebellion, which is a a Star Wars board game that came out um, a couple of weeks ago from – uh, fantasy flight games all my x-wing players are like so when you gonna start running tournaments i'm like but it's it's like a risk type game that takes three to four hours to play and it's you know it's it's not a competitive i guess it's competitive in the sense that somebody wins but it's not like a, a competitive style game where we're going to go on from round to round to round so when you do events and especially when you have a very a variety of events right i mean if we have a costume contest during our halloween um board games, hoarding board games, right? It it is an event. It requires a different type of planning and a different type of marketing, right? All we're really doing with that is people come in, they might be playing games, or they might just come in to get their pictures taken, then we throw the pictures up on Facebook, right? Different requirements for different types of events, but more importantly, uh, back to the original concept, be prepared to have to explain, because a lot of people just when they think event, they just think, okay, I'm going to be paired up with another person. Whoever's got the best made sword wins the the, the costume contest, right? Kind of situation. So,
1: mm-hmm. and I, I just wanted to touch on one final point. Of what Travis was saying about uh, having a different range of events, like competitive and casual, because um, that is very, very important and translates directly to your customers. Because um, that'll give you a casual customer base and a competitive customer base. They buy completely different things. So, uh, if you're trying to buy the the best, most winning Warhammer army, you're going to buy specific models and specific and concentrate on specific armies. Uh, if you're just playing for fun and think the models are cool, you'll buy you know the you'll buy any model as long as it looks cool. And and obviously that translates to Magic. Like there's there's cars that you know the competitive players will joke about. And who would ever buy that? And then you'd have a kid walk in going, "Oh, that's a cool card," and they'll buy it. Um, because in their world, it's just a fun, cool card, and they're not thinking in competitive terms. They're just, they just love the game and, and uh, get some enjoyment out of it. So uh, I think that's just uh, a really good point, Travis.
0: Yeah, different mindset. Yeah. Different yeah. motivations.
1: Yeah. Let's, so I, I think we're running a bit long. But don't we have another topic?
0: Yeah. Wanna I was get... thinking I actually have the perfect segue for this. we have been figuring this out while we were talking. Okay. So running events is about the experience. Ultimately, it's about the player's experience and what that entails. And part of that experience is feeling welcome at a store and feeling like they're not going to be ostracized or ignored or all kinds of negative feelings. You want it to be a positive experience. And uh, recently there was an article written with a very uh, intriguing title. That was inflammatory. For sure, yeah. <laughs> I believe the title was uh, "Tabletop Gaming Has a White Male Terrorist Problem." I think that's the uh, the title, and uh, yeah, we thought we could uh, have a brief discussion on uh, on what this thing brings to the table, so to speak. So, who <laughs> wants to take a stab at it first?
3: Uh, well, not Wayne. I know. Mean, No, no, no. I know you had had some feelings about this, so go ahead. I do, I do.
1: Um, Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so, first of all, let's talk about the title, The Tabletop Gaming as a White Male Terrorism Problem. Um, I get it. I understand why she's using that language. Um, I would probably use really strong language, too, if I had had the same experiences, and I wanted to get the attention uh, for this article that it demands and needs. Um, So, while that title is going to offend a lot of people, it might put people off, it's also going to cut through all the uh, hundreds of thousands of articles on the internet and that's kind of what you need to do to cut through all the the fuzz out there so um, I get the title, I'm not offended by it uh, personally um, and uh, yeah, it talks about um, this woman talks about her past uh, experiences as a gamer and how she's been gaming for for a long time, and uh, has um, encountered all these different uh, uh, experiences of um, inappropriate behavior, sexual assault, um, etc. Like her, pretty you know, terrible her, stuff overall. Pretty terrible, yeah. Her, I mean, her ass was grabbed, and and this is you know this is something that happens uh, everywhere. Uh, it's not just in the gaming community, um, and uh, it's it's just something that I think is 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 being talked about more and more recently. Um, I know my awareness uh, is, is fairly recent about this problem, you know, realizing, wow, the perspective of living life through a, a, a woman is, uh, or a girl, is, is completely different. Uh, it doesn't just go, it goes beyond, like, getting off the bus at night and, you know, feeling a little afraid to walk home alone. I mean, it, it goes much further than that. I mean. We don't, as, as guys, uh, <clears throat> especially, as, as guys, we don't, have to, we don't have to look around our backs so much. We don't have to worry about uh, being surrounded by a bunch of people who are um, stronger than us and uh, may want something from us. <laughs> um, you know, it's just a completely different world. Uh, and uh, I appreciate what she's saying in the article, and I think it's, uh, it's an important... Topic, and uh, I think uh, the attention it's it's getting is good because I think people need to think about that in in every context of their life. And I don't think uh, you know the, the three of us in our shops. Um, I don't think it's really a, a big problem at our shops. I'm you know, and it could happen though. I mean, it could be happening whether we know about it or not. Because the truth is, um, when those things do happen, they usually aren't reported. Um, and uh, but you know I think we've we've all worked really hard to create um, welcoming, um, comfortable, safe spaces in our in our game rooms in our in our stores. Um, so we're not we're not seeing this as much. But uh, you know I, I can see it being a problem elsewhere. I can because because it, it is a problem in every aspect of life, not just the gaming community. So. That's my piece so far, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, I'm not going to contest
3: in any way, shape or form that it doesn't happen. And, and I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and go, yes, women are usually more prone to this, but realistically speaking, it can happen to any gender, right? Or religion or color of skin or whatever or not. It, it really has no place in the gaming community or in any community for that matter. I mean, um, I think one of the reasons why, like Wayne was saying, we don't see a lot of it in our shops is we, we work really hard to set a tone and sort of like a culture in our store. We don't allow cussing. We don't um, We try to keep it as family friendly as possible. Even the choice of music for us, sometimes it's a hot debate. Or do we put this song up? Do we not? It's the little things that in the end kind of um, you know, even when somebody goes, well John, why do you care that I dropped an F-bomb? It's just me and you in the store. We, we literally try to train our customers that that's a no 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 matter what and because the second you you give room for a little bit of that you've created a a loophole or a small possible window where there's times when it's okay and I really don't feel it it is Um, so when you start with the basics like that it becomes much harder for those people to feel welcome in our shop and and I'm perfectly okay with that I have no room for hate I really don't in any way shape or form so we start by setting that right tone. And we also try to consider our customers equal, no matter you know what their gender is. or um, When they walk through my door, they're gamers. And that's fundamentally how I address it. It's literally you are the same as the next gamer that's coming in here. Um, the only time you're going to be different in my book is if you're a problem child that's making everybody else uncomfortable. And then definitely we have to address it.
2: You know, um, I take from this because you know, like we've talked about, hopefully this isn't ever happening at my shop. Uh, You know, um, Wayne said, I'm not, I, I'm not there for every conversation. I'm not upstairs in my game room very often. So I, you know, there's always the possibility something happens, but you know, we, we have a decent number of women that, that shop at our store. And I hope that a lot of that reason is that it's a place that they can feel comfortable. Um, what I take from this is I'm looking I need to look and see is it as safe of a space as it could be and if it's if it could be more safe then it should be more safe and I think that that's the important part of the article It's not oh we need to step up above the level of harassment that she's had we need to step it up so that's not happening we need to look at wherever we're at and we need to step up um, I have different rules than John. Our rules are that your language has to be appropriate for those that are around you. And it is more difficult to police because it does say that when it's just me and you in the shop, the conversation can be different. And, you know, I've thought about that and, and stuff. Um, I do okay with that rule. Um, but I can totally understand why he's, why his rule is the way it is. Um, It is much easier to police and it does create a very different mindset. Um, One of the things about the game store is it's a third space. It's a space that people do feel comfortable in, but it's also not their home space and it's not their workspace where they have these very strict filters in the way that they interact with other people. And we need to make sure that there's still a filter for these people. You know, this isn't a place where you can just be the most horrible version of yourself that you can be there still needs to be social filters there even though you're not at work and so it's a culture that we have to actively build and we need to actively make sure that it is where it should be because those experiences it they don't have to be that bad before they're bad they don't nothing has to happen to somebody like what has happened in this article before it's a problem. It can be half of that. It can be a quarter of that, and it's still a problem. And so it's not just if it's that big of an issue, it's if it's an issue at all. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think, uh, just to interject a little bit, I think part of the, the article was that it's not, some of the experiences that she had were actually the game store, or the owner or someone behind the counter that was the problem. And I think that's probably pretty rare. Like I said before, I don't think there's a lot of game store owners who open up a shop thinking they're gonna be a like an you know, an asshole. Like that's not their purpose, that's not what they want. They want to make people happy. I think a lot of the negative experiences are inter customer. Right? Like it's the gaming community, not necessarily the stores. It's hap but it happens at the store because that's where the community gathers. So I think part of the uh part of the solution is kind of Like, the way John approaches it, kind of trying to police and manage it before it becomes a problem. Kind of like, uh, so by preventing, or by saying, okay, we don't want any swearing in in the shop. Not at all. You know, family-friendly, that's the the line, right? It's kind of like the broken window theory, (laughs) where a neighborhood, like, the crime rate will go down if there's... Well, if the crime rate will go up if there's like graffiti, and you know people are jumping the turnstiles in the subway, and just dodging the you know the quarter, the, those kinds of things, or broken windows. It just seems it creates an environment where it makes it seem like it's okay if people are swearing, if it's just you know a bit rougher, and then it's almost like a slippery slope to the really bad stuff, right? So how do we, uh, as the game store, who's not necessarily the root cause of the problem, but it's where the the problem kind of occurs. How do you approach it and try and find a solution to it, right?
3: So that that actually touches on a couple of things, Thomas. And it's um, so again back to that culture, right? I mean, and I don't want to tell people that run game stores you're doing it wrong. Realistically speaking, you might have built a whole community that comes to your shop because you play that metal in your shop, and and that's yeah. you know to you that's why you opened the store. You opened the store because you wanted to hang out with your friends, um, and. You know, you wanted to get games at wholesale back to that clubhouse kind of situation, and we have several of those, right? And, and so here's here's the problem, though, that I see. Um, we, we call them the mundanes, right? People who were never exposed to gaming, but there's more and more of those coming on board, um, things like Tabletop, uh, with, with Wheaton, um, the Big Bang Theory. the yeah it's expanding this to now more of the mainstream so you you sort of have to make a decision at a certain point if you want to continue to be the clubhouse i I suppose that's okay there's nothing wrong with it right and i'm not saying that travis runs a clubhouse i'll get the the separate game room is a bit of a unique thing too right um but if you do that and you're hanging out with your friends and you happen to i don't know hey I think you have a right to fly the Confederate flag, but it sends a message, right? I mean, so if that's up in your store, you're say, setting a certain tone for that. I don't have an issue with it, you know, I really don't. But realistically speaking, um, you know that some people do, so you're sort of offsetting yourself and and eliminating and making a certain group of the people uh, unfriendly. That being said, I get a lot of criticisms from some people because they're not allowed to take shoes off in my store. They're not allowed to cuss. They're not allowed to play their music as loud as they want, right? So it's it's a matter of choosing where you want to be. And, in, and Travis brought up a point, right? The separate game rooms were something that we – ever since the beginning of the store, we've always had the game room in the store. It's its own set of logistical problems, and that's a big reason why – I'm sorry, guys, you got to be as nice as possible when you're in playing in my store because you are exposed to the rest of the population that's just coming in to buy stuff. You are sort of my face, right, when when you're in here playing games. So when you have a separate room, that becomes a lot harder for the police, right, Travis? I mean, it's, it's literally one of those like, you can't be in there 24-7 when somebody drops an F-bomb to go, hey, language, right? Um, so the environments do create the atmosphere. You as a store owner have a lot of say in that, and you have to Site, where do you want to be? What do you want to do? How do you want to run your store? And what kind of clientele do you want to attract?
1: Yeah, and when you know things happen, you have to nip it in the butt right away. You know, you hear a derogatory comment, uh, you hear something, you see something that somebody shouldn't be doing, you got to You gotta put a stop to it immediately and let people know uh, right away that that's not permissible. Uh, if you're going to act like that, you're going to say things like that, you need to leave and not be afraid to lose a customer in order to nurture the community that you do have at your store because your player community is a direct reflection of the type of store you are. And, I, you know, I... I'm I'm sure we're all very proud of our our, our gaming community. I mean, I, I love the people who come to my store and uh, I know when uh, players start coming to my store for the first time they often tell me, hey, I really like the, the people playing here and, and they have a good time and, you know, it depends. It depends on uh, what kind of a player they are. But, uh, you know, some people don't care about that, but I, I think it's super important. So, yeah.
0: And I think there's also a difference between uh, like uh the store that, you know, plays metal music and has a little bit more of an edge to it and <laughs> full-out, like, bullying. Yeah. Like, because sure. that's really what it is, right? It's it's, a, it's really extreme bullying, is what the article is describing. But bullying in general is a problem. And that's kind of the gist of it. You can have a store that's a little more edgy, a little more rough around the edges, basically, and still not have that problem, right? It's not a guarantee. Sure. But it's something that... Uh, you need to consider
2: well and you know he, he says the music and I'm, I'm guilty of this I, that has been a problem in my store I was listening to Marilyn Manson in my store one day <laughs> it was you know I don't have speakers that run throughout the store so it's just at the counter it's it. you can only hear it when you go to check out or whatnot. there is a track that came on that was entirely inappropriate while I was not behind the counter while I was out helping other customers and it offended a customer it really offended one of my customers, and rightfully so. It's one of the tracks that I usually skip because it usually offends me. Um, it, was, it was not a good experience for them. And, of course, now I go, okay, this is, this is why even in my personal space I'm not allowed to listen to this because, you know, if I had been there, I would have skipped it. It would wouldn't have been a problem. But I'm not just sitting behind the counter staring at the computer when there are customers out. So the music is, you know, for me, has switched over to 80s rock, uh, Billy Idol and Queen and, and stuff when I'm listening. And after hours, I can turn on the more loud music. It, it's, you know, I'm running a store. I need to be acting like I'm running a store. I, I, I'm going to be honest. Sometimes that's, that's uh, it's difficult. At the end of 60 hours, you're, you're wanting to be not just being professional you want to relax a little but you can't
3: and and for for everybody out there running a game store make no mistake this is this and handling your personnel are probably the two hardest things you will ever do picking out the games that are going to sell demoing things. these are in my book the easiest things to do but but (sighs) trying to pull in a 30 year old man into your office and explain to him that while you're playing Pokemon, it's not appropriate to have children in your lap is a difficult thing to do, it really is. Especially when in his his mind, he's not doing anything wrong, right? But when the parents are coming to you going, what's going on with this person, right? Um, These these are tough, uh, especially when, back to that bullying, uh, we had a group of players that got suspended here in Vegas for um, bullying on Facebook, on social media, right? And if you read their comments after they got suspended, They did nothing wrong in their book. They were just joking or whatever, you know. But in order for Wizards to step in, this went on for a long time, and it really was pretty – pretty bad Uh, but they don't see it that way right so you come from different mindsets in uh, in our store back in flagstaff we had a gentleman who came in who told me he would never go to store competitor store b because he saw a copy of stoner flux we literally i don't care one way or the other about stoner flux it's a game that's all it really is but we keep it under the counter for when customers ask it just because yes some people get offended (laughs) by certain materials right um Uh, so it's uh we we actually stock cards against humanity because people keep asking it, but we are very specific and we, 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 you know, it's look, you know what you're getting into, right? Um,
0: it's It's not something you sell to a five-year-old.
3: No, it, to be fair, at least the packaging isn't overly offensive, right? I mean, if you look at that on the shelf, you can't really uh, – we just have to be careful when the 12-year-old kid picks it up and wants to buy it because he thinks it's cool. I'm like, I'm not going to sell you this, right, because mom's going to come screaming
1: at me. So That's um, interesting, uh, the stoner flex thing, because I'm, I'm an advocate for uh, marijuana use. And, uh, you know, I've even made announcements in my game room uh, saying, you know, uh, I can't be here today. I'm going off to the uh, global marijuana march. Something I really believe in. Blah blah blah. Um, because it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing. You know, there's there's a difference between things that uh, upset people and that shouldn't upset people. Because um, if marijuana upsets you, it just means you're you don't understand it. Um, uh, you should be more upset of, uh, about alcohol, for example, like a thousand times more upset about alcohol. Uh, yet that's everywhere. And um, just uh, you know, authentic and honest, and you're doing the right thing. That's going to come through in your shop. Uh, I, I, I do not tiptoe about around stuff that uh, I know there's nothing wrong with it. For example, marijuana. Um, and I, I even had an argument with a customer like, Oh, that's, it's terrible, blah, blah, blah. She's saying how bad it is for you. And I'm like, actually, it's not that bad for you at all. And actually this, this, and that, and she just kind of looked at me and didn't know what to say. And, you know, and if I lost her as a customer, I, I don't care. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to pretend that it's a bad, terrible thing just to, you know, make her feel more comfortable. Well, and, and yeah, and it goes back to your personal beliefs a lot of times. I mean,
3: in the end, the stores are a reflection of who we are and what we do. Um, mm-hmm. And for us, since we have such a very group of customers and, and even employees that work for us, right? We've had, uh, we have had we have women that work for us. We have, um, you know, uh, different sexual orientations. But again, it's the decision, Stoner Flux. It's not because I personally <clears> have <throat> anything against Mariana. I really don't. Uh, I personally don't like the smell of it, but that's about it, you know. Um, So, um, but it was what that perception, unfortunately, and I don't set that in society. It's just there for all the wrong reasons. I agree with you, Wayne, uh, right? But it's Uh, it's up to us
1: to change that perception by not hiding it, by going, hey, there isn't anything wrong with this, actually. I mean, like I said, alcohol, way, way worse. If anybody understands drugs and alcohol, they know that alcohol is terrible, but it's okay to drink wine. At home with your family and kids are drinking wine with you in some families for example or the typical you know father comes home from work and uh you know cracks open a beer and they're drinking right in front of their kid maybe the kid's on their lap and they're watching tv and drinking a beer and that's okay apparently you know because it's not illegal or whatever and even though legality is is, is uh is uh, kind of in a gray area right now but it is all going to become legal and and of course, legality doesn't mean anything's right or wrong. It just means those in power are dictating uh, what we can and can't do because, you know, of course, uh, Opinions. You, can, you can go back in history and see all these things that are illegal that we look back and go, wow, that was so wrong, you know, so wrong. Um, you know, apart sure, and, times, and alcohol was illegal, right? I mean, that yeah, didn't no, work for well, right They well, tried getting so. rid of that as well. But uh, yeah, but I, I, I just want to get back to the, uh, the article as well because. Uh, we seem to be talking a lot about bullying. When I know bullying is part of uh, what's in this uh, article, but it's really surrounded um, around the topic of sexual assault, which is a little a little stronger of a of an incident than just bullying. That's um,
0: the extreme version,
1: yeah, sure, um, but uh, you know you don't get thrown in jail for bullying. <laughs> you get well, thrown in jail for sexual assault. And I think the reason that we You
2: know, I don't have any experience with the sexual assault. I, and you know, so I don't have much I can put in on this. I, it doesn't happen at my store. I wouldn't allow it to happen at my store. I haven't been around it, so I can't add in anything on that. And I, you know, that's a good thing, but it's harder to to address something this extreme when i personally have no
1: experience with it
0: and that's a good thing to approach is basically to say it is unacceptable in every form mm-hmm. right it's, it's like, good that we,
1: you're not experiencing it you're not seeing it i mean yeah. uh, where where it becomes our responsibility is when we do see it or we do hear about it hmm. and we got to like be on top of it i mean if we just ignore it or don't don't take care of it then you know we're part of the problem Uh, just like we're part of the problem, keeping marijuana as an uncomfortable subject, you know, the whole, that whole idea, not the bust your balls, John, I'm I'm just, no, 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 it's it's fine. Yeah. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, we need to, it's our responsibility to do something about that. Uh, I think this, this article is really calling out, um, the, uh, the industry as a whole and saying, you know, do something about that. Don't just laugh it off. You know, if if you're this 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 is this you know speaks to the whole community. So if you're you're gaming with people, you're with a bunch of guys. A girl walks by. A guy makes um, you know some remark, some sexual remark at her. Um, you know, you don't don't just be one of the guys that's like ha ha and you laugh it off. Be the guy who's who says, hey, wait a minute, that that was not cool. Okay, that 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 it's gonna really upset her. There's no reason to do that. And. Uh, so I think it's just it's it's a call to action. I see that letter as a call to action, just uh, for everybody to re- be responsible for uh, their actions and to act upon other people's actions when they're obviously um, not appropriate. Hi.
3: Hi, Wayne. I just want to say I agree with everything you're saying as a female point of view. I'm leaving. Bye. <laughs>
1: So, if, if I
3: may, my my background is in public relations. That's what you know. I went to college for and, and got a degree in and all that good stuff. So, the takeaway here would be, Travis, you're lucky. You don't have any instances uh, happening in your store. The the catch here is what will your staff do if that ever happens? So much like we have, look, if the store catches on fire, this is what you're supposed to do. If there's a shoplift in the store, right? I'm assuming all of us here have emergency plans for – and our our employees are trained in these. There needs to be uh, something in place to train your staff, to make them understand that it can happen anytime, anywhere, including our stores. And what do we do? How do we approach it, right? Because – you're not there 24-7, Travis. I'm not at my store 24-7. I plan on not to be at my store 24-7. So I want to make sure that when it's open and my customers are in there, something happens. They're all going to take care of the <laughs> issue like I would. Um, and, and that's really important. I feel that a lot of stores don't think about, right? They don't have emergency plans in place for what do you do.
1: Yeah, that's that's a really good point, John, because I, I, I've definitely fallen short there. Because I'm mostly there all the time, but there are... Sometimes I'm not, so uh, that's a really good point. And um, I, like I know, I know how I would handle it if uh, a sexual assault occurred in my store, but I haven't really discussed that, for example, with my staff. So uh, I think I'm going to uh, have a meeting some sometime soon. <laughs>
0: that's probably a good idea. Make sure codify the whole yeah. thing. And and you might find it, it unusual <laughs> don't make it weird make it just like this is something that can't happen in the sense that like yeah you know don't panic when there's a fire yeah. this is what you're supposed to do because we talked about it beforehand whereas if you say okay this is what happens this is what you are supposed to do just follow the rules as an employee if you see any you know any sort of sexual assault happening in the store this is how you approach it and that way it kind of takes away the uh you know the awkward oh, I, I do i have to be the the white knight here? Do I have to be the guy who interjects this? And you know, you're just doing your job at that point. If you make it uh part mm-hmm. of the operation, it might make it a lot easier for people to address it.
1: Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the, the sad reality is as well as, um, you know, I think it's the stats are like, there's over 90% of sexual assaults don't get reported. Right. Cause they're not a big enough deal or they don't feel they'll be believed or they're embarrassed. So many reasons, um, you know, we got to get away from blaming the victim. We need to, uh, take responsibility for ourselves, our stores. And, uh, yeah, um, I, I think, uh, I think it's, you know, it's so hard for, uh, anybody who's been sexually assaulted, um, to actually go through with pressing charges and then go through with actually winning their case. Very, very hard to actually win a case. Most cases don't go anywhere. I mean, the the stats are even, even slimmer. So you can imagine, you know, what's really happening out there. And, you know, we see this tiny sliver of, of that reality when someone is charged with sexual assault, you know, for that one person that actually managed to get a charge, there's, you know, there's going to be a hundred thousand that didn't or something ridiculous like that. And we can just look to high profile cases like John Gomeshi here in Canada, um, who just got acquitted, um, from sexual assault charges from various women over his career. Um, he's got a reputation for being kind of a, uh, an inappropriate, slimy type type of guy, um, and uh, using his power to uh, trap women and, and uh, you know assault them. Although you know he lost he lost his high profile job because because of a sexual assault. That court is now being uh, going to, uh, to to court. Um, that case is now be, being brought to court. And that's why these other women came out of the woodwork that just uh, from the, the case that just happened where they're like, you know, geez, um, he did these things to me and, and uh, I want to step forward. And the problem with their case was uh, the defense lawyer just tore apart the, uh, uh, the victim's uh, testimony because this happened years and years ago. And, uh, you know, when you're put through trauma, uh, it's really hard to piece together what happened. And uh, the stories weren't consistent, and it's too bad it all fell apart. And then, you know, you, you guys down in the United States, you got your Bill Cosby, who's uh, – I'm not sure how his, his case is going, but, you know, there's someone who had uh, a lot of power and a lot of access to um, situations where, you know, he was with women and, and – uh, God knows what the truth actually is, but, uh, you know, obviously something, with the amount of women that came forward, something something happened. Uh, does anybody know what's going on with that case, or if you got charged? Or?
0: Well, we're coming up on the hey, hour, so if you want to maybe offer some final thoughts on this subject, so that we can open up some stores and get ready for the day. <laughs>
3: Um, I, I think my final thoughts were just that. Um, it, we don't condone it, don't allow it, and quite simply be prepared for it. That's that's the the reality of life if these things do happen. It's not just a matter of, um, uh, you know, it, it, there, there's there's no way it's going to happen in my store. We do the best to prevent it. We do the best to provide that atmosphere that doesn't welcome it. But um, be prepared to, to know what you're going to do about it, it when and if it does happen. Does that make sense? <laughs>
2: You know, I'm I'm probably going to be talking about this in our weekly meeting with my employees. Um, Definitely need to step things up. Um, Sexual assault doesn't happen, but I wonder if there's instances where sexual harassment happens in, in the community that we can be finding and stopping. And I know that we need to step things up. I definitely need to empower them and make that part of their job, like uh, you guys were talking about, because I don't think that that's something that we've talked about as part of their job. And so, you know, my thoughts are definitely, definitely same as when they, you know, when we started, this is, this is, it's not about when it gets this bad, it's about long before then, and we need to, to make things
0: better prevention over treatment if you can point
1: yeah um sorry i was just I was trying to look something up because I, I know that uh, i've seen some stores uh certified as lgbt friendly or something they get anno- acknowledged officially in some capacity um and i think that's uh uh like safe zone is from the gay alliance um i've looked into uh I, well, I haven't looked into, I want to look into getting some sort of certification like that, but something that's like out there and obvious so people know that uh, we're a safe space uh, to come to and, um, yeah, I think uh, the bottom line, you know, we, just, we all need to be diligent, acknowledge that it's happening, um, that, uh, you know, the people who are experiencing sexual assault are facing an uphill battle, um, that we can't blame the victims. Uh, we need to um, do whatever we can to support them and um, put a stop to anything any behavior that we don't uh, think is appropriate.
0: Perfect. And just to add my two cents, I think uh, as gamers we role play as heroes and you know the greatest warriors and all kinds of excellent things we should probably start acting like it as a group and I think as the uh, the store owners that's you're kind of the arbiter of this community and we should try and make it as, uh, as safe and welcoming as we can. And I think putting it out there and making it not, uh, not assumed, but like actually stating it, you know, if it takes it, uh, if it requires you to say, you know, before every tournament that uh, this is the way things are, we're going to make everyone happy, you know, swearing, no, no bullying, like just being, uh, being assertive about it. I think we can do a lot to improve the situation. Okay, well if nobody's got anything <laughs> else, <laughs> I, I got to go unfortunately. So <laughs> John's got to go and uh, I'm sure everyone else has got to get their day started. So uh, thanks again for get, for coming on the show, guys. Really appreciate it. I think this was a very interesting conversation. And I hope uh hope the listeners really enjoyed it too. All
1: right, you guys See have a great day, next time. okay. No, you too guys, take care. See you guys later.
0: See ya. All right, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Maniverse podcast. I want to thank John, Wayne, and Travis for coming on the show and being brave enough to talk about these topics, because I think they're very important. And if you want to join in on the discussion, I encourage you to leave a comment on the page. Uh, that would be at slash mvp040 mvp040 uh, Yeah, drop a comment in down there. And then if you want to find your way to the article, I recommend you check it out and uh bring it up at your local game store find out what your fellow players think about it find out what your your local game store owner thinks about it get them talking about it because it's a, it's an important topic we need to this is something as a community that we need to address so uh yeah and also a uh, special announcement if you haven't noticed the maniverse podcast is also on youtube now so if you want to see our rugged good looks on video that is now an option you don't have to just listen to us our sultry tones coming through your earbuds you can also get get a face full of face full of our rugged mugs so uh yeah that's that's the end of the show i want to thank you guys for for listening i always appreciate it yeah i guess i should just close out the same way i always do thank you for listening thank you for watching if you do check it out and uh, we'll see you guys next time